unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some year-end headlines, and we're going to touch on the Bengals-Browns game. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce to you the one and only Frank LaPlaca. So we got to end the season on a high note with a win against the Browns. I know they weren't playing their starters, but it doesn't matter. We played who was in front of us. We ended the season 9-8. and eight. You could see on the sidelines, all the players were really happy and unified. The coaching staff was very satisfied. It was a great ending to a really weird and frustrating season. We saw some vets get their milestones like Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Trey Hendrickson. We saw some rookies get a lot of action and players that have been on the bench all year get in the game. So it was good for the whole roster to have an experience like this. And remember, the next Bengals regular season game is eight months away. We're going to do the best that we can to enjoy ourselves in the meantime, but I'm going to be counting the days until September 8th. All right, so let's move on to some headlines. Joe Mixon got 1,000 yards on the season. He is the second all-time leading rusher in Cincinnati Bengals history behind one of our favorites, Corey Dillon. And Mixon is showing no signs of slowing down. Seven seasons in the league and running just as hard and staying injury-free as he did in his early years. He got a nice bonus for getting a touchdown. At one point I heard it was 100000 for him hitting the over 10 mark on touchdowns. And then I heard it was 350000 I'm not sure which number it was, but either way, you know that Joe Mixon was happy. After the one touchdown, he was doing the money paper sign with his hands in the air. So it was good to see, and it's good to have ownership that wants that to happen. You know, some owners are like, I don't want to pay this guy an extra couple hundred thousand. You know, don't play him this game. And in this case, you could tell the organization and the front office was totally behind Joe Mixon getting his bonus. He ended the season with 4.0 yards per carry, which is the benchmark for running backs. And I'm just really happy. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. You think, you know, they say when a running back turns 27, all things change for them. And we did not notice that with Joe Mixon. He's one of those guys that just has that timelessness about him. And he has a body that's built for the long haul and can take a pounding. And, you know, it's going to catch up to everybody one day. You know, father time knows no boundaries. I don't know. I just made up that quote. But Joe Mixon has had a great career up to this point, and it's looking like he's going to give us another few really good years. So congratulations, Joe Mixon. Nice to have you aboard. I know you took a pay cut to stay here, and you have been nothing but the consummate pro, the consummate teammate, and you are one of my favorite Bengals. So again, congratulations, Joe Mixon. And other milestones, I don't know if Jamar Chase had a clause in his contract where he got a bonus for getting 100 catches, but they made sure that he got those 100 catches. You could see that he was banged up and really shouldn't have played in this game, and I really wouldn't have played him, but they got him his catches, and they were safe catches. One catch he got lit up on, but the others, they were just nice little screen passes. Get him his four catches, get him out of dodge safely, and he ends up with 100 catches on the year and his third Pro Bowl in his third season what an amazing draft pick. What an amazing player. Jamar Chase, you are on a trajectory to make the Hall of Fame. But before that, I know what you care about, and you know what I care about. Let's get some rings. 
And when you have those rings, and Joe Burrow has those rings, the Hall of Fame is just going to open its doors for you. So you're on a great start to your career. You're electrifying to watch. You're so exciting. You're worth the price of admission. And a long pass from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase for a touchdown is one of the best things you'll see in Bengals history. And we've seen so many of them. So I want to say, Jamar Chase, thank you for the memories. And I look forward to so many more with you, my friend. And Trey Hendrickson comes into the game with 17 sacks. I was watching the Steelers game. T.J. Watt got two sacks, and they were legitimate. I mean, he just bowled his way in there. And I was like, oh, man, I wanted to see Hendrickson take the AFC or the the NFL sack lead. And T.J. Watt, before he got hurt, had a big game. So whatever. Hendrickson got a half a sack in this game. He ended up with 17 and a half sacks, the most since Coy Bacon had 22. And that was when they didn't even keep sack totals. So I guess the unofficial record is Coy Bacon's, but the official record is Trey Hendrickson's. What an amazing year. What an amazing career. If you remember, when we signed Hendrickson, it was a choice to whether retain Carl Lawson or sign Hendrickson for about the same money. And I don't know if you've been watching, because I'm in the New York market, but Carl Lawson has really done nothing for the New York Jets. He's been hurt. Even when he's in there, he's not a major force. He's actually in a rotation. He's not even a starter. And we have Trey Hendrickson, perhaps the best free agent signing in our history, or right up there, just have year after year of productivity, dominance from the defensive end position, and three straight Pro Bowls. He comes here, and every year he's made the Pro Bowl. You can't ask for anything more in a free agent. And Trey Hendrickson, I salute you, my friend. Thank you for all you've done. All right, so those are my accolades to the three guys who hit milestones. And there's a lot of accolades to go around. What an amazing year. I'm going to go over each player and the position groups in another episode. So I'm going to save all my praise and all my comments on everybody for then. So for now, the next thing I wanted to go into was the draft. We're picking 18th in the draft. Now, we could have gone as low as 13, possibly, with a loss, and as high as 18. We're picking 18th, and we're going to get a solid player there. A higher pick than we've had in several years, so it's going to be nice to pick there. And there's a lot of quarterbacks going. And again, we'll talk about the draft another time. But if you have four or so quarterbacks go in that top 15, that means we're going to get close to one of our top 10 prospects. So it's not a bad position to be picking in. And we are the last non-playoff team to pick. So that means you have your 14 teams that made the playoffs, and we were the runner-up. And I know that that doesn't sound fun to hear and we don't feel like runners-up being that runner-up under the circumstances think about it a tough year we had one of the toughest schedules in football it was a first place schedule we had Joe Burrow healthy for about six games we played a division where everyone was well over 500 one I think it was like the first time since like the 1930s so with all that being said I think this was a very good year in spite of everything that happened but we know If we're not going to the AFC Championship game and beyond, we're not happy. And and isn't that great to have as Bengal fans now? That's the expectation. I mean, there was a, a, a period of 15 years where I was just begging to make the playoffs. Now it's like, wait, we didn't make the playoffs? What a disappointment. You know, we're expecting to go deep into the playoffs and to the Super Bowl every year now. And I don't think that's going to change over the next couple years with the quarterback, the coaching staff, and the support players that we have in place. We're going to be contending for a long time. And as I said before on previous episodes, it's a slippery slope. You know, we made it to the Super Bowl, 
and you think you're just going to be back there every year, but you have to remember so much has to go right. And that year, you know, Joe Burrow was on fire. Jamar Chase was this unknown commodity that was destroying the league. Evan McPherson was at the top of his game. We had all these new free agents. So that 2021 season was really special, but it doesn't mean that that's the end. We're going to be back there. Just stay true, guys. It's going to be a good time for us Bengal fans. The best period in our history. Some other random notes. The starting offensive line started every game. There was only two teams in the league that had that, us and the Bills. And the line was up and down. I think they played better than I thought. And the fact is that all of those guys got to the starting gate for 17 straight games. And that's a, a tribute to, again, the, the training staff, the players, and the durability of these guys. And let's hope that we can build on that next year. Hope we have the same health next year and maybe have some improvements on that line as well. We had the second fewest penalties in the league. That's a credit to coaching. We had the second fewest giveaways in the league. And that's a credit to coaching talking about ball security. And those are two things where you can give away games. You know, you give away games on a lot of penalties. You give away games on turning the ball over. And the fact that we were second in the league in both of those categories meant that we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, if we got beat, we got beat. But it wasn't because of a lot of errors. And that's nice to see. I mean, as a fan, when your team is just getting riddled with penalties or you just never know if your quarterback's going to throw an interception or you've got a bunch of fumblers, that's a frustrating team to watch. We didn't have any of that this year. We keep that same thing into next year with Burrow back. We're going to go places. And what a draft that we had. I know Miles Murphy was a little bit slow getting going, but he was coming on at the end of the year. Hopefully that's enough to build on. DJ Turner is a starter for years for us. Jordan Battle is going to be a starter for years. And then you go to the offensive players in rounds four through six. Yosivash, he's going to be a Bengal for a long time, a productive wide receiver. Four touchdowns on the year in limited duty. Chase Brown is going to make life easier for Joe Mixon and extend Joe Mixon's career because Chase Brown is a threat every time he goes in there. I think he had a great year, and we have a running back there that's going to be a great one-two punch. And Charlie Jones, in addition to the punt returns, which we hope he gets better at as time goes by, they played him a bunch from scrimmage in this game, and he was productive. So in rounds four through six, dead rounds in my opinion normally, we have three offensive players that are going to be around for the long haul and contributing to playoffs, championships, and Super Bowls. And that doesn't even include a punter that you have that he's going to improve his game. I, I still believe in Brad Robbins. I know he was up and down this year. But he's probably going to be here for a while. And in the seventh round, you had DJ Ivy, who started to step it up right before he got hurt. So hopefully he comes back strong. And that's one through seven. That's a really good draft. And you keep drafting like that. And we have drafted well the last few years. And we'll go over that again in the offseason. We have plenty of time to talk about that. But if you can draft consistently like that, you're going to be a championship team. So excellent job, Mr. Tobin, Mr. Brown, and Coach Taylor. So we re-signed 10 players to futures contracts, and I like that. You know, the season ends, you make sure that you have all your practice squad players coming back, and it was Dominique Davis, you know, a, a big defensive tackle with some upside who plays great in the preseason. Alan George, who I thought had a great rookie year, slowed down a little bit this year, but he's a corner that you can think about putting in there in a rotation. Nate Gilliam, backup offensive lineman. Jeffrey Gunter, a seventh-round pick for us who had a good rookie year. This year on the practice squad, didn't complain. Keep him around. You never know. He could be a rotational guy. 
They like Shaka Hayward at linebacker. Shed Jackson, you just never know. The the wide receiver, Shed Jackson, Kwame Lasseter, Kendrick Pryor. Keep all those guys around. You don't know who you're going to need. You're overflowing at the wide receiver position right now. They're probably going to draft one. They drafted two last year. You have a lot of young guys there. And you have Chase and hopefully Higgins, two of the top in the game right there. And then Jackson Kirkland, another lineman who was coming on really strong in training camp and got hurt. He's also going to be coming back. And Devin Cochran, same thing. They like him at tackle. He also was hurt, and they also brought him back. Prominent players not coming back. Now, there's a whole free agent list, and I hate to keep saying we're going to go over this in future episodes, but it's not the time right now. We're just I just want to talk about the fallout from the season ending. We'll touch on the Browns game a little bit, and we're going to have weeks and weeks, unfortunately, and months and months to talk about all the offseason stuff. So we'll get really heavy into free agency as the offseason goes by. But just right now, off the top of my head, there's a few prominent players that are probably not coming back. Tyler Boyd, an all-time Bengal great who has done so much for this team. And even though he didn't have his greatest statistical year this year, and he was kind of an afterthought at times, he made some monster plays this year. Chidobe Awuzie, I'm not sure if they're going to bring him back with how well the young corners are coming on. Cam Taylor-Britt, DJ Turner, I believe they're going to keep Mike Hilton around. I don't know what that means for Awuzie. I would like to keep him around, and hopefully he can come at a price tag in the 6-7 million rather than in the 10 million. And if he comes in at that lower figure, maybe we do keep him. But he's one of the ones that I'm not sure if we're keeping because he's more expensive than the rookies and he's still coming back from that injury. Jonah Williams, I don't know. Every year I'm like, all right, let's get rid of this guy. But he didn't have a bad year this year. I don't know how expensive he's going to be. I don't know what kind of demand he's going to get around the league. But he's another one that could potentially be back. If a team outbids us, we're going to let him go. If we draft a right tackle high, then we're going to let him go. So I'm really not sure, but he's one of the prominent players that you might be saying goodbye to. Irv Smith, the tight end, it was a one-year, $1.1 million deal or something like that. We didn't take a big chance on him. And am I allowed to say it right now because I don't know about his future, but he was a big disappointment. We're thinking we're getting like a Hayden Hurst with better routes and more speed, and we got none of that. They made him inactive for the last couple games. And really what happened was you saw that Drew Sample can have a role on this team. You saw that Tanner Hudson can be an outstanding tight end. You even saw that, you know what, maybe we keep Wilcox over Irv Smith. I don't think that Irv Smith is going to be back in stripes next year. And then you have Travion Williams. And I know we'd like to bring him back, and he's he's been a good teammate. He's Whenever he's in there, he does the job. But with Chase Brown coming on like he has, I don't know how much they're going to be willing to pay Travion. If they can get Travion on a good, cheap deal, inexpensive deal, I don't want to say cheap, they're going to bring him back. But if some other team outbids us for him, we're going to let him go. So he's another one that you could see out of stripes next year. All right, so on to the press conferences. Coach Taylor gave his end-of-the-year conference, and he was graceful. He was motivational. Just everything that he's been since he's been here. And I'm really happy that he's our coach, and he's going to get rewarded with a Super Bowl ring. He has built a great culture here and a great modern-day culture. It's tough now. You know, the players are different than they used to be, and there's social media, and there's so much outside pressure. And, you know, from an early age, these guys are, are put on a pedestal. It's not easy to manage all of these alphas and get them all playing at their peak and being team-oriented and not selfish and no infighting. He's done all of that for us, 
and I'm just really happy to have him as our coach. And as I said, he's going to take us places. Don't ever get down on Coach Taylor. And then Jake Browning, what a conference by him. I mean, he is so cool, so intelligent, and so likable. He is just a star waiting to be born. And you see he's got his girlfriend in Joe Burrow's luxury box, and obviously she's a very beautiful woman, and it was just a great year for the Brownings because they both became overnight celebrities. And it doesn't happen by accident. Great people find great people, and alphas find alphas. So even though Jake Browning was an NFL afterthought and a backup, you can see how talented and how great of a leader he is. And I loved everything that he said. He said he views himself as a top 32 quarterback in the world. And he said, unfortunately for me, I'm behind a top five quarterback in the world. I would say top two quarterback in the world or maybe top one. But I love the, the awareness there. And he's candid and he's he knows how to be humorous, not take himself too seriously. I was really impressed. I'm so impressed with Joe Burrow's press conferences and Jake Browning must have learned something from Burrow because he comes across so good. And he talked about it. He was saying he was waiting for his opportunity. He seized it when it got here. He knew that he had a good arm and he knew that he was accurate and he knew he could, that he could play the position if he got the opportunity. And he got the opportunity and he didn't just run with it. He sprinted with it. He gives credit to Coach Taylor for keeping him around and allowing him to wear the pads because you just never know how his career would have gone if the Bengals didn't believe in him. And he even apologized to Coach Taylor because I know there was one play in this game where they ran a naked boot and he got lit up. And you see him on the field spitting mad, you know, yelling, no naked boots or don't do that again or whatever. And he apologized after. And I love that self-awareness. And that's an intelligent person. When you know, he was like, I shouldn't have yelled at Coach Taylor. I wouldn't have been here without him. I don't want to be ungrateful to the guy who gave me an opportunity. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but... And then he also talked about how Joe Burrow was a great support system and a great teammate for him. So Jake Browning, I'm, I'm just beyond impressed with what you did. When Joe Burrow went down, we were all thinking that we were going to lose six out of seven. And instead, we won four out of seven and made a big threat to make the playoffs. And your star is born, my friend. I'm glad you're going to be here for a couple more years because we have you on the on the restricted free agent kind of deal. But eventually, we're going to let your wings fly, and you're going to go somewhere. You're going to be a starting quarterback for a bunch of years and hopefully have your own successes and riches in the NFL. And then my favorite, Joe Burrow. He had a, a press conference at the end, and it was nice to see him back. And you know how it is. You forget about people when they're injured. I know we can't forget about Burrow because he is the franchise. They showed him a lot on TV in civilian clothes on the bench. But it's rough when you're not playing. It's... I can't even imagine it. You just don't feel like you're a part of the team. And he just did everything the right way. You know, he was classy, he was supportive, and he was a great teammate. couple quick quotes by him. It was a weird year. Yeah, Joe, you are right. This was a weird year from the calf injury to a slow start to getting healthy and looking like we were going to be the Bengals that we have been to ultimately this crazy wrist injury that just popped up out of nowhere. It was a weird year. Another quote from Burrow. I expect T to be back. And if you listen to the unofficial Bengals podcast, that's what I've been saying for the last five weeks, maybe for the last year. Do not let T. Higgins leave the building. You will not be the same team. Period. And then Burrow went on to say he might change his off-season regimen, so he's making sure that he's getting to the gate in one piece. He hopes to be throwing by the spring. Joe, don't rush it. 
when that wrist is healthy and you're ready to come back, you know, your your legs aren't going to your legs and footwork aren't changing. Your arm strength isn't going anywhere. Your ability to read defenses and throw accurately, all of that stuff is not going anywhere. Nothing is changing about Joe Burrow. It's just healing a wrist, making sure that you're good to go, not rushing it back, and then when you come back, you just dominate the league exactly like you were before you left. All right, so some observations from the Browns game, and I know it was a meaningless game. Again, it was good to go 9-8 and eight and end the season on a really high note, so I'm not going to talk about the Browns game for an hour. I'm just going to rifle through some quick things, and there's something educational and insightful about analyzing some aspects of this game. So yes, the Browns sat almost everybody. We sat Hagens to protect him, Irv Smith, because he just fell to the bottom of the depth chart. And Chris Evans was inactive. I didn't like to see that. We have just not given him a chance. And if Travion goes, maybe Chris Evans finally gets his chance. But man, this guy's career has been wasted here, unfortunately. I hate to put it like that. And this was a perfect game to get him some action, and they didn't choose to. I don't know what's going on. I know he's got the guys in front of him. I don't know if the coaching staff doesn't like him. I don't know if they see things in practice and off the field that they don't like. I don't know any of that. And I'm not making any assumptions. It's just so bizarre to me that Chris Evans gets no action. And he's been productive in the very limited duty that he's had. So both of our lines dominated the Browns' lines, as they should have. You know, if you have starters going against backups, it's not even preseason level. This is like your starting team, which is you know, stomped through 16 games prior to this, you better beat the Browns' backup lines, and they certainly did on both sides of the ball very badly. For the Browns, former Bengal Jeff Driscoll is horrible. I'm sorry, my friend. You either have it or you don't. And I, it's easy, right, it's easy for me to say, let me go in and try to do, and try to play the position like Jeff Driscoll. It would be embarrassing. So I get it. I'm, I'm not casting stones on something that I'm incapable of doing. But man, like I said, you either have it or you don't. And you saw it with Browning. You know, Browning comes in, no starts, and is productive immediately. Jeff Driscoll has been in the league for a long time, had his share of starts and fill-in roles, and he was just inept. And our favorite, Deshaun Watson, where was he during the game? What's the matter, you're pouting now because Flacco's going to probably take your job? I mean, look at Burrow, he's there nursing his wrist and he's there on every play with the iPad giving advice and you have no Deshaun Watson anywhere to be found one of my most hated players in the league and I couldn't happen to a better guy so just another poor showing from a guy who has shown nothing but poor character so Bengals 24 to nothing at the half 241 yards for us 71 yards for them at halftime it was just a total rout again as it should have been Our second possession of the second half, we go on a 99-yard drive in our first in decades, I believe, and that was a beautiful drive. It it involved a little bit of everything, some running, some quarterback play, some passing, and ultimately a 99-yard touchdown drive. 31-0 heading into the fourth quarter, and to be honest, probably the least exciting game of the year. Yes, it it was cool to see us winning and an easy win like that, but I like games that are competitive and breathtaking and this game was over right away and it felt like you know what they say the varsity team playing the JV team almost like the varsity team playing the freshman team really old favorite AJ McCarron came in in the fourth quarter 
threw four passes, got lit up on a blitz, unfortunately. The backup line missed a late blitzer, and he just got tagged. But it was nice to see him in there. It's almost nostalgic at this point because of what he did in the 2015 year. And hopefully he comes back, and we don't have to think about quarterback. You know, you have the greatest quarterback in football as your one. You have a top 32, if not higher, quarterback as your number two. And then you have McCarron, an old vet who maybe can come in and get you some serviceable snaps if you ever need it. And they finally brought in the backup lineman in the fourth quarter, Jackson Carmen. I believe that was his first action of the year. You saw Cody Ford in there, Sharping in there. They left Volson because he's young. They left Jonah in there because, I don't know, they're probably not sure that he's coming back. But that was their fourth quarter offensive line. And I'm always a big fan of getting the backup snaps in all games. Like in games that you're blowing out teams, I don't know why you don't put in backups earlier or in games that you're getting blown out. I would dive into the roster a lot more. I mean, you see some of these high school coaches in basketball and they're like playing the same five, six kids and everyone else is sitting on the bench. And it's like, coach, spread it around a little bit. You know, some guys need a breather. If you have, this is a basketball reference, but if you have, you know, six to eight guys on the roster that you're terrified to put in there, then maybe they shouldn't be on the roster. And then some other backups like Sidney Jones, Jalen Davis, Marcus Bailey, Osai, Murphy, they all got a lot of action this game, and that's exactly what you want to see. Get those backups in there as much as you can. And again, you know my philosophy on getting the backups in a little bit more during the regular season. And the last thing, I'm tired of the escalator exit. You guys know what I'm talking about. At the end of a win or a loss or when a game is over early, they just show people leaving on that escalator in slow motion. It's almost like making a mockery of the people that are leaving and almost like making a mockery of the game. I I just, I hate that CBS, Fox, they always show that shot of that Cincinnati Bengals escalator with people on it leaving before the game's over. I don't get the motivation or the artistic intent behind that, but I don't like it. On to Jake Browning. Great game for him. As I said earlier, he was mad at Coach Taylor for that naked boot, and he apologized after. The interception to Tyler Boyd, and I don't want to knock on Tyler Boyd, but it was a little bit alligator arms. It wasn't a perfect pass, but you saw Boyd go up, and if he went up two-handed, he could have grabbed it, and at the last minute, he made a business decision and went up one-handed, and there it was a pick. No big deal. It didn't matter. If that was in the playoffs or a meaningful game, it would have been more important, and I'm sure Boyd wouldn't have done that. But Boyd's a veteran, and he's no fool. So he decided to self-preserve, and it resulted in a Browning interception. And it wasn't a great pass either, but it was catchable. All right, Browning, two nice runs for 18 yards. He drew the other team off sides like four or five times with the hard count. Really veteran move there from a non-veteran. The footwork continues to be phenomenal. Just watch the footwork. Rewatch the game and watch the bounce, the two-foot bounce that he does that the great ones do and the pocket presence that he shows in all aspects. As far as some throws, he had that post to Charlie Jones over the middle early for 35 yards. That was just a bullet. He had a bullet to Chase on a stick route in the first quarter. I think that was Chase's first catch. He had a back shoulder throw to Yosibach at the 7-yard line. He had a play-action sidearm throw to Jones under pressure, and then later to Sample under pressure. He had my favorite throw, the -the over-the-top throw to Irwin for 25 yards over the linebackers in front of the DBs. I mean, right there is just a litany, just a a catalog of quality throws. A good post, a bullet, a back shoulder, a play-action sidearm, under pressure, getting it off. The -the over-the-top throw, you know, you got to just fit that in there. It can't be a bullet and it can't be a lob. It's got to be in between. Like that and a corner 
route throw. Those are really tough throws and so gratifying when you hit them. And he just showed everything in this game. And I'm not just being the Cincinnati Bengals fan club here. I mean, this guy can throw. This guy can play. Again, watch the tape. And lastly, that touchdown to Yosivash in the end zone. It was a really tight window. And one of those other things that I like, when a quarterback throws a ball that's like you almost can't drop it. It's just like forced into you. And there's really no way to drop it. And he did one of those. So just, again, A through Z, phenomenal throws out of Jake Browning. And I'm, and I'm not just trying to be a homer. It was legit. All right, quickly on the offense chase, they gave him some easy catches to get him to 100 catches. That first play of the second half was designed to get him his 100th catch. It was just a a cheap, easy screen. There's your 100. Let's get out of here safely. Boyd, he was underthrown on that deep ball. I know he dropped it, but it was an underthrow. Might have been a 91-yard career Bengal capping touchdown if it was thrown on the spot. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but we've had so many great Tyler Boyd moments, and I wish him luck. And if we can bring him back for the right price, not a bad idea. Yosivash, two touchdowns. He's showing up in the blocking game. He's a red zone specialist. He's big down there in that in that red area. He would have had bigger numbers if not for the big three this year. He ended up with four touchdowns on the year. He's going to be a big contributor in the future. And what he did this game is going to build momentum for next year. And Charlie Jones, same thing. He's building momentum for next year. His most touches and his most productive game of the season. He had a couple nice catches. He had a couple good jet sweeps. He had a nice 35-yard catch. So it was nice to see him have a breakout game in Game 17 of the 2023 season. We talked about Mixon already. I mean, when he has the holes, he explodes, and he had the holes this game. He caught the ball out of the backfield, breaks that linebacker tackle for a touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown. He had a 44-yard run that was well-blocked by Ford, Jonah, and Wilcox. He has momentum for next year. Not that he needs it, but he stayed healthy through the entire season. And as I said before, Joe Mixon is ageless and timeless. And Chase Brown, with that speed, a 17-yard run, a 27-yard run, and he built up some nice momentum over these last four games for next year. Man, I'm rapid-firing. The voice is getting a little hoarse. All right, defense. Hendrickson, couple pressures. He got his sack. Glad they got him out early. He didn't miss any time this year. I know he got banged up a couple times. He had the knee thing. Another one that showed durability and just put together what all I can say is a Pro Bowl season again. Hubbard had a nice sack, a drive-killing sack, and they got him out of there relatively early. And apparently he needs some off-season surgery, undisclosed, but at least they didn't play him too long and further re-aggravate an existing injury. Miles Murphy was active, closed out the season well. I think Cam Sample had a big game. He had a pressure, an almost sack, a batted ball, just everything that he's been doing all year. You throw him in the rotation, he's not going to light it up, but he's not going to hurt you and he's going to make some plays. Osai had his biggest game of the year. Again, it was against second-teamers and third-teamers. But he did cause the interception. You know, he hit the quarterback. That ball floated up in the air. Logan Wilson, who I'm about to talk about next, got his fourth interception. Great hands by Wilson. Great run after catch. 130-plus tackles. A Pro Bowl snub because, again, they have their chosen ones. But, man, him and Pratt just had phenomenal years for us. Hilton had a couple nice backfield tackles. He almost had an interception on the deep ball. They got him out relatively early as well and played Jalen Davis a lot in this game. And I like it. You know, you don't want to kill Hendrickson, Hubbard, even Wilson, Pratt, Hilton, all those guys. I'm glad that they they were prudent and didn't kill those guys this game. 
Jordan Battle is just getting better and better. His only problem this year was, was some wrong angles on a few plays. But as far as tackling and instincts, he's going to be a starter for us for a while. And I'm really glad that we have him on board. He made a great catch on that interception where he kept his feet in bounds on the first drive of the game. He had a sack. He had a pass breakup. And again, had some sure tackling throughout as usual for him. Dax Hill, another safety who's going to be around here for years. I mean, hopefully Hill and Battle will be our Bates and Bell. I know it's, you know, that's a big thing to ask of these two young guys, but you can almost see the foundation being laid. But Dax, speed, range, good tackling. He had a great year this year. We'll talk about him more in future episodes. And DJ Turner, he let up zero catches until the fourth quarter. He let up that catch to Tillman and the Bell touchdown, but he was right there on that David Bell touchdown. And DJ Turner is another mainstay. I don't know how many times I have to say about this secondary of the future with Battle, Hill, Turner, Cam Taylor, Britt, and then hopefully you keep Hilton around just to keep everyone in check as the as the leader and the alpha and the veteran. Special teams, McPherson, 4-for-4 four four on extra points, perfect on the year, and hit a tough 45-yarder in what was called some really bad wind. Really one of my favorite Bengals, so congrats on another great season. You're going to be here for a decade. You're going to be setting all kinds of Bengals points and kicker records, and I look forward to watching every play. And then Stanley Morgan, the forgotten one. I can't believe he was on our practice squad for most of the year and no one else decided to get this Matthew Slater-type player. He's the best gunner in the league, and he was active, I don't know, maybe three to four games this year. I might even have just been three. And it's a big difference. If you're on the practice squad, you're making about 12000 a week or a game. You come up to the active roster, that number floats from like 45000 to 50000 That's a huge difference. It was nice to see Morgan get a big paycheck for this game, you know, relatively. And he showed up. You saw him as a gunner. He was just eating alive the blocks. You know, first man up and last man down is what I like to say. So I just really hope that we keep Stanley Morgan around for the future. And Mr. Tobin, don't be afraid to bring this guy back. You you can't go wrong. I know you have so many pass catchers ahead of him, and you're probably going to draft more, but this is a special teams ace. This is our Matthew Slater. All right, so that's it. Season over. We're going to be waiting a long time for some relevant Bengal football, but I promise you I'm going to be delivering podcasts with a lot of informative, fun, entertaining info We have free agency coming up. We're going to analyze the roster. We're going to analyze the performances. We have the draft. Then on to OTAs, on to training camp, on to preseason games, and then on to our 2024 championship Super Bowl ring season. I'll catch you guys next week. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.